Thanks for tuning in to Mountain View Fellowship's weekly podcast. At MVF, our mandate is pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. We know Jesus cared for people and placed a lot of emphasis on relationships. So we do too. We believe that we're created for relationship with God and that He gave each one of us a desire to belong. If you'd like more information about MVF, connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. You are joining us on our last week of our Spiritual Gifts series. And during this series, we have been covering a variety of different spiritual gifts, talking about different groups of them. Um, We've covered the groups of uh, the, the word gifts, the power gifts, the crossover gifts, And this morning, we are going to be talking about the love gifts. This particular group helps demonstrate the beauty of God's unseen work in the lives in such a way as to attract others to want to have the same kind of relationship with Jesus. Now, uh, what does actual, authentic love in action really look like? Well, the Apostle Paul helps us with this in the book of Romans, chapter 12. He says, don't just pretend to love others really love them. Hate what's wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them, but pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil and do things in such a way that everyone can see you're honorable. Do all that you can do to live in peace with everyone. Now, during this series, we've had a question that keeps coming up. And the question is, why don't we see more people exercising their spiritual gifts? Well, the love group here that we're going to talk about this morning, in particular, is a little difficult for people to do. You see, um, we have to be willing to get dirty. We have to be willing to be with people, people who are broken, They have pain, they have sorrow, they have a train wreck going on in their lives. And we can't love them at a distance. Now, you guys in the middle, did any of you feel more welcomed or loved by me wearing this getup? Not so much, right? And yet, that's kind of how we live sometimes and we work out our love gifts is we try to hold people at a distance. We kind of sterilize things so that we're not necessarily exposed to what they're going through. We kind of love them at arm's length, don't we? And this morning, I want to talk about the fact that we should not do that. We have to be with them. We have to expose ourselves. We have to be willing to step into their lives so that we can truly love them. Can I ask you a deep question this morning? The question is, what's the purpose of life? Anybody know the answer to that? Do you know that answer in your own life? What's your purpose of life? Well, as believers, I believe that we can probably all sum it up in six words, and these are the words. The purpose of life is to love God, love others, and make disciples. That's what we're supposed to do. 
And if we're living that out, we glorify God, um, we help build a community, the church, and we help others start their saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Spiritual gifts are a huge part of making that happen. We are called to love others, whether or not we have any of the special gifts. And Pastor Don, last week or maybe a couple weeks ago, talked about this, about the difference between spiritual disciplines and spiritual gifts. There are things that, just in that Romans passage, we are called to do, weep with others, whether or not we have a gift that allows us to do it. Now, I would strongly encourage that you go back and you listen to some of the other sermons. Uh, Pastor Don, Pastor Tim have covered a lot of ground. It's good to listen to that, to learn about the gifts from them. This morning, I'm going to do a quick summary, and then we're going to dive into those love gifts, all right? So first of all, what are the spiritual gifts? 1 Peter 4.10 says it this way, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Spiritual gifts are Holy Spirit-enabled special supernatural abilities that help us to be able to do effective ministry to the people around us. And these gifts come after we become believers. It's a good way to kind of see what some of your gifts are. That now that you're a believer, suddenly you can do something you weren't able to do before, and it brings you joy. Now, why are we given the spiritual gifts? Well, to fulfill our purpose in the kingdom. Those six words, love God, love others, make disciples. That's what the gifts are about. And we've got to keep in mind that the gifts are for his glory, not ours. But there is the added benefit that when we are serving God and we're using our spiritual gifts, we are drawn closer into a tighter relationship with him. We can trust him even more. Ephesians 4.16 says, He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. How do we know what gifts that we've been given? Well, one of the best ways is actually just to jump in and start serving. Um, you have to experiment with the gifts a little bit. I mean, you won't know that you have the spiritual gift of healing until you start praying for people to be healed. If you wonder if you have the spiritual gift of evangelism, start having some conversations, some spiritual conversations with people and see what fruit happens. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. It's those six words again. Now, another way that we kind of suggest maybe you get a, a start of understanding uh, your spiritual gifts, we gave you these books. Hopefully you've had a chance to kind of go through it a little bit. Uh, partway through this book is um, a survey. There's an online link that you can take this short little assessment. It's about 20 gifts or so that it looks at, and it'll give you kind of maybe an idea, Okay. It's not perfect. I'll just be honest with that. I think the best survey out there doesn't actually exist yet. And that would be a special, a special survey that would have everybody around you answering the question about you. Because it's really about how you've influenced others that they will be able to see. The problem with the kind of survey we're doing is it's a self-reporting survey. And depending on how you think about yourself or how you want to think about yourself, that could influence your answers a little bit. Um, maybe we're concerned about wanting certain gifts or how people look at us. Obviously, I don't care how people look at us, me at least. Some of you answered the survey. I've been watching the answers. Some of you answered, and basically you have no gifts. And some of you answered, and you have all of the gifts. I don't think either one of those is right. 
Um, we know that every believer gets at least one gift and maybe as many as four or five. We don't know the exact upper limit, but there's quite a few, right? And I would tell you, don't worry a lot about naming your gifts exactly. Don't get caught up in that because God's going to give you a mix of gifts for things to happen. Anybody ever take like a Myers-Briggs personality test? You know, it's got the little 16 boxes that it places you in. Um, and you, you take the test and you read it and you go, oh, yeah, 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 that, that kind of sounds like me. If you were to take the time and read all of the answers possible in a Myers-Briggs, you'd probably have two or three different categories. You go, hmm, that might actually be me. And you see, it's because it's a model. It's not perfect. Nobody fits directly in the boxes. And it's kind of, I think, the same way with spiritual gifts. We shouldn't box God in. He's going to give you what you need. And so just maybe move forward. Again, one of the best ways to find out your gifts is start asking others. Ask them, what gifts do you see in me? Um, how have I affected you spiritually? Just some good questions to kind of get it going. Another important thing for us to talk about is what gifts are not. First of all, they're not for us. They're for God's glory. They're not so that we can feel important or famous or anything like that, help our ego. And we cannot pick our gifts. The Holy Spirit gives gifts based on the needs of the church, the big C church, the big community of believers, and how God wants to work through our weakness by giving us a new strength. 1 Corinthians 12, 11 says, It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. What are some of the obstacles to using our gifts or what keeps people from doing them? I think there's a couple things. One is obedience. Our obedience affects it. If we're not living out those six words, loving God, loving others, making disciples, or if we have some sort of habitual sin in our lives that we're not giving over, that we're not asking for repentance and change, it's awfully hard to hear the Spirit. And that's going to keep you from being able to exercise gifts. And by the way, those six words that I keep saying, they're actually not a suggestion. It's not like God said, ah, these would be good for you to do. They're actually a command that Jesus gave us. Another thing that keeps us from using our gifts is our pride. Our pride of maybe wanting certain gifts over other ones or wanting the glory, taking the credit. Oh, I'm the one that healed that person. That can influence and impact our ability to use the gifts. And then the last kind of thing is fear. And just talking to us as a body, as I've been talking to different folks, I think that's kind of where our church is at, a little bit of fear of the gifts. Um, maybe we don't want certain gifts. We're a little worried about what that'll look like. Or I think the big one, we're afraid of change, of loss of control. Maybe afraid that if God gives you a certain gift, he's going to pull you out of your comfort zone, which he will, and maybe it'll change your life in your direction, which it might. There's also maybe just the fear of hurting people or turning people away from faith. I think the solution to fear is simply pray about it. Listen to the Holy Spirit and how he directs you. Learn about the spiritual gifts and then explore your gifts in a safe environment with a few other believers. Now that was a real quick summary of the gifts. Hopefully it kind of gets us all on the same page. Again, go ahead and listen to those other sermons if you missed any. This morning, we're going to cover the last of the six gifts. Um, they are the love gifts, the love group, 
It's mercy, giving, service, hospitality, administration, and pastoring and shepherding. The first of these is the gift of mercy and compassion. This is a tough gift to have because you have to expose yourself to people. You can't try to sterilize yourself and keep yourself wrapped up and safe. You actually get involved with people's lives when you have this. It is different than just being sympathetic. Notice some key words here. There's an act, there's a provide. There are actions being taken. Now, sometimes those actions are pretty simple. Sometimes it's just a, cry, a shoulder for somebody to cry on or listening ear to somebody's problems or at times even just weeping together with somebody who's gone through something hard. This particular gift is not just for women. Now, yes, it's true. Ladies tend to be more naturally compassionate than guys. But this gift is given equally to both genders. And some of the most godly and manly men I know actually have this gift, and they exercise it well. It doesn't mean they walk around crying all the time. It means that they're available to people. In the Bible, there's maybe an example of this gift through the Good Samaritan. You know, if you know the story, he did not just pass by. He saw a need, he got off his horse, he went, and he physically helped the man. He crossed cultural boundaries. He then took him to an inn and gave the innkeeper money to take care of the man and then followed up with him later. That's the gift of mercy and compassion. If you think you have the gift of mercy and compassion, we need you. Some of the strengths of this is that you can do incredible care ministry and prayer ministry that people who don't have this gift can't accomplish. You will be able to do something called the ministry of presence. And basically that's when somebody's going through something that's really hard. People with this gift can go and they can sit with somebody. They don't even have to say anything. They don't have to have the perfect words. And yet, people will feel God's presence through them being there. A caution or maybe a danger of this particular gift is something called secondary trauma. And basically, that just means sometimes people with this gift, they will take on people's trauma as if it's their own, and they have a hard time getting past it. So if you think you have this gift, I encourage you to do a little research on secondary trauma so that you can see ways to avoid that so that you will be healthy enough to continue to minister to other people. The second gift this morning is the gift of giving. Being able to give generously because of his sensitivity to God to channel his resources to others, it means giving sincerely and generously without pretense by giving all credit to God's love and provision. This is giving beyond expectation. It's giving beyond just tithing. Sometimes it means giving until it hurts. But people with this gift can give till it hurts and still be joyful about giving. Now, this gift is not just for rich people. You don't have to have a six-figure salary to be able to give. Um, you can give all sorts of other resources, including your time. In the book of Acts, uh, chapter 4, there's a guy named Barnabas. Barnabas has this gift, and he sells a field and gives all the proceeds to the church so that people can be fed. That's a pretty easy example. There's other examples, of course. If you have the gift of giving, we need you. I have a ministry partner in Haiti, and he says, Mike, money is expensive. It is expensive, definitely. But sometimes money and other resources are required for ministry to happen. And so people with this gift can help make ministry occur. 
There's also just many needs in our community outside of our church. And unfortunately, I think those needs may grow depending on what happens with the economy the next couple of months. We need you to be jumping in and taking care of people. One of the strengths or benefits of this particular gift is you get to be part of God's miraculous timing. I can't tell you how many times in ministry I've been working with somebody, we hit a need that they have, and suddenly somebody just shows up and says, God told me I don't know why I'm supposed to give this. And they give something right at the right time, and it's miraculous. One of the other great benefits of this is if you're giving, God will often backfill what you gave. And he will increase your resources so you can give even more. Luke 6.38 says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. There is maybe a caution that I would give you with this particular thing, uh, this gift. Make sure you're praying, you're listening to the Spirit about the giving and not just giving all the time. But listening, is this something that's going to lead to a spiritual harvest of some sort? Is God going to get the credit? Now, just as a quick note, um, for those of you with this gift, there's something kind of cool coming up in November. We're still working out the details, but just before Thanksgiving, as a church body, we're talking about putting together what we call blessing bags. These bags are just really simple resources in them, including like fresh new socks. And the thought of these bags is they are to be given to to folks in trauma or homelessness or whatever. And so we're going to build a bunch of these bags. We're going to give some of these bags away to some ministries. And they're also for us to keep in our car. So as we're driving along, we see a need, we can fill a need. Um, But if you have the gift of giving and God's maybe talking to you about this, uh, see Pastor Ryan, see me, we'd be glad to connect you into it. Now, before I go into some of the other gifts, um, I think it's important for me right now to talk about calling. That's a word that gets thrown out a lot, and you'll see how it matches here in a moment. But there are four levels of calling on our life. The very top level is called to a saving faith. God does not desire that anyone would perish, but he desires everyone to come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. He desires that everyone come to a place where we realize our sin, we realize our need for a Savior, we repent of our sin and we believe in Jesus, and then we commit to following him to be transformed, basically to accept what we call the gospel. That is the first calling everybody has, but not everybody will go ahead and step up to that calling. And when you don't accept that calling, your life is going to be out of whack. The second level of calling is then called to kingdom. We are all called to serve in some capacity, to love God, love others, make disciples. That's getting involved. That's getting engaged. And God's got a place for every single one of us to be part of kingdom. The third call, the third level, which is below that, is called to a profession. Sometimes your profession and your kingdom call completely match up. But not everybody's going to be called to vocational ministry or something like that. Sometimes our call to our profession is just simply so that we can provide for our family and provide for people around us. That's what we're called to. And last is call, the call to the moment. There are times that God will ask us to get involved with something short-term. Maybe you right now are being called to get involved with a neighbor. Maybe you are be, being called to maybe travel in March to Israel with the church or maybe an international missions trip like to Bolivia next summer. Now, the reason why I talk about calling here 
is because it is very likely that your spiritual gifts completely dovetail to your call to kingdom ministry. God equips us to do the work that he has ordained or set aside for us to do. And because of that, it's important for us to maybe know our calling in the kingdom, to take a look at that. So don't get caught up in the spiritual gifts. Maybe instead look at what kind of impact are you being called to do? What kind of ministry are you being called to do? And then very likely you're going to get some gifts that are going to enable you to do that. We are all the priesthood of believers, each one of us. Each one of us is part of what God wants to do in the world. What's your profession? What's the thing that you spend most of your time to do, whether you're paid or not? Tell you what, let's all out loud say it together, count of three, say your profession, one, two, three. All right, that's good. You're sort of awake. All right. Whatever you said, God can use that. He will empower it to be able to use for ministry. I'll tell you what, let's all stand. I want to do something real quick. Everybody stand up. If you're not able to stand well, that's okay. You can just stay seated, but otherwise stand up. You don't have to raise your right hand, although if you want to, you can. I'm going to be reading some things, and I want you to read it right after me, okay? I am called to follow Jesus. I am called to love God, love others, and make disciples. I can trust God to equip me to fulfill his kingdom calling on my life. I will explore the Holy Spirit's gifting in my life and will faithfully use these gifts. I am, ordained, I am an ordained, and then say your job. I will use this role to glorify God. All right. You are now all ordained, right? There might be an ordained plumber in here. That's awesome, okay? God is going to use that profession. When you use your spiritual gifts, it'll be a calling, right? Things are going to happen. So... You guys are going to have to be about the work, right? Loving God, loving others, making disciples. You guys can go ahead and sit. And I'm going to finish up the gifts, all right? The next gift I want to talk about is the gift of service. And it means to act with a joyful and willing attitude to use your natural abilities to aid others in practical ways so ministry can happen. We sometimes call this the volunteer gift or the the behind-the-scenes gift. In the book of Acts, there's a a lady named Dorcas, and Dorcas was known for providing food and making clothing and just taking care of people. She had the the gift of service. Um, There's another guy in the 1600s. He was a monk. His name was Brother Lawrence. He was a monk in a French monastery. He wrote some different letters, and somebody took those letters, put them together in a book. The book is called Practicing the Presence of God. It's a good book to read. Um, He was acting out his gift of service in the monastery doing one of the most important things in his eyes. You want to know what it was? He washed dishes. And he saw his role as washing dishes being key for the monastery for it to happen, right? And the other key thing is he tied his service to worship. So the whole time he was worshiping God. 
If you have the gift of service, we need you. The strength of this gift is there is a billion places for you to serve. Um, and you, it is one of the easiest to make an extension of your worship, to sing and to praise as you're doing things. One of the cautions of this particular uh, gift is make sure you don't get isolated, that you don't become an island. It happens a lot. Don't sell your efforts short. You know, I hear people sometimes with this gift will say something like, I don't do anything important. All I do is clean the toilets. Cleaning the toilets here is important. It needs to happen. But on the flip side with this role too, sometimes people can become a little bitter because of the isolation. And they can say things like, I am the only person that cares how this place looks. I think the best way to, to kind of get past that is to, again, make your service worship, but also ask why I'm doing this. Find out the significance. If Darcy in children's ministry asked you to cut up a billion little pieces of paper, ask her why. It may change how you feel about it and how you do when you find out what the lesson is and how those little pieces of paper will help kids connect who God is. A similar gift is the gift of hospitality. Hospitality is developing a community by welcoming others into a group and giving practical care. It can involve opening your home to provide food and lodging. There is quite a bit of confusion on this particular gift because of the contemporary use of the word hospitality. Um, it is not the same as just having a really comfortable, well-decorated home and you're inviting people over for parties all the time, okay? It's also not the same as being able to make an incredible lasagna that you're giving to people, okay? Um, that's great, but more likely those are the gifts of service. And the big key thing with hospitality is the first line, developing a community, connecting people together. In the Bible, in 3 John, there's a gentleman named Gaius. And Gaius is being uh, basically encouraged because what he's doing is he's opening up his home for traveling missionaries that are coming through. Provide a place for them, but also so those missionaries can minister to the congregation that's there. Okay? It's not just the lodging piece, it's about him connecting people together. People with this gift are the ones that when they talk to you in a couple minutes, they know your life story, and then they're immediately thinking about who you can relate to. And they're like, oh, I want you to meet so-and-so because you guys grew up in the same place or whatever, right? That's the gift of hospitality. Um, there was a gentleman who used to come to church here. He passed away, unfortunately, a few years ago. His name was Randy Forehand. Randy had the gift of hospitality. He would greet people and learn their names. And then he would spend the week memorizing their names. So the next time he saw them, whether it was the next week or three or four months later, he would remember their name, connect them into the church, and welcome them. If you have the gift of hospitality, we need you. We need you to be part. The strength of this particular gift is that any gathering of believers, we need you to be there to help connect us together, to network, to help everybody feel part of it. The danger of this particular uh, gift is just you got to be careful not to become prideful. I've seen that happen with people with this gift. They become prideful that they're the ones that created this network. They're the ones that have welcomed all these people. And sometimes even that they're the only one who can do it, so they don't allow others to use their gifts. A great way to practice all of these gifts, particularly these last couple, is to get involved with a life group. 
life groups here at MVF are basically during the week, we get a group of people together at somebody's home. Um, sounds a little like hospitality. Um, but then they connect together. They open up scripture. They read it. They pray together. They help each other. Um, life groups, again, are a great place to practice your spiritual gifts, no matter what they are, praying for people, asking for healing, encouraging each other. And so I would encourage you to get involved with a life group. Now, some of you have asked to join one. It's been pretty hard to find places right now just because over the summer, a lot of life groups take a break, and it takes a little while to get going again. We are going to be starting up life groups again on Sunday, October 16th. Uh, we'll have a lunch right after the last service. You can join us. Um, at that we'll talk about what life groups are a little bit more and then we'll have life groups leader, leaders there so that you can meet them and you can join a group right away another excellent way to explore your spiritual gifts will be happening next Sunday next Sunday is the 17th anniversary of MBF and one of the things that we're going to be doing in this is what we're calling finding your fit uh, we'll kind of walk you through something that will allow you to use your spiritual gifts and other things that you're good at to uh, kind of direct you to a table in the lobby you go to the table and there, there'll be lots of different roles of ways that you can volunteer and get involved based on your gifting. Um, now, just a little transparency and asking for a little bit of grace from y'all. Uh, as we have been working through this series, we have been trying to create different opportunities, different roles so that everybody with their spiritual gifts have a place. We haven't quite worked that all out yet, and we're still working on it. Some of the gifts, we have plenty of places for you to serve. Others are a little bit more, or we're going to ask you to be okay with them being delayed a little bit. For instance, if you have the gift of teaching or of pastoring, which I'm going to talk about in a few moments, um, we're not going to have you teach a class immediately. We're going to work with you to make sure that you're in a place that you'll be successful and we'll confirm your gift of teaching before we put you in front. Does that kind of make sense? Okay. All right, the next gift I want to talk about is pastoring and shepherding, which is caring for a flock over a long period of time by focusing on their spiritual growth as part of the body of Christ. This, again, is not an easy gift. It is not a gift that you can wear something and keep yourself away from everybody. Pastoring is full contact, okay? It is fully engaged. And there's an old saying that says, ministry would be really easy if there weren't people, right? It's true. In the Bible, you'll find an example of a pastor in Timothy. Uh, you'll read a couple books about him. He was a pastor in Ephesus, which was not an easy place to do ministry. And part of the thing about, about this particular gift is you are engaged with people's sin. That's why it makes it hard. A great place to explore this particular one is if, um, if you want to try out being like a small group leader in a Bible study or, again, a life group leader or co-leader, that's a great place to kind of try out this. Um, before I became a pastor, I was a, a small group leader in my church, and that's how I kind of found that I, I did have that gift. If you have this gift, we definitely need you. The strength is you get to celebrate with people as they become more and more like Christ, which is incredible. And, of course, the danger is it's complicated. You are helping people deal with their sin. And sometimes broken, hurting people hurt others. And sometimes they backslide a little bit. But you get to encourage them and help them along. The last gift in our series is actually the gift of administration, which is providing organizational leadership to a ministry. This is a form of, of leadership. So if you're really good at organizing closets, that's a gift of service. It's not the gift of administration. 
The gift of administration is leading a whole bunch of people to take care of the details so that something can happen, right? Um, God often pairs somebody with this gift with somebody who's like a ministry pioneer or visionary or entrepreneur or church planner. In the Bible, we see an example of this with a guy named Bezel. Uh, he was the son of Uri. Anybody ring a bell with anybody? Maybe not. In the book of Exodus, he's the one that's given the task by Moses of building the tabernacle. And if you read Exodus, there's page after page after page of detail that he had to follow. And he was successful because he had this gift. People with this gift communicate well, they love to problem solve, and they're okay when they're not necessarily the final decision maker. But they're still leading. Now, in the survey that we had you guys take, there was some confusion. I watched, and I've been kind of looking at the details. There's a lot of you that scored really high in administration, probably because we didn't ask the questions very well. Uh, one of the questions we asked was, do things go better if you are in charge? <laughs> yeah. You can see the problem with that question, right? <laughs> better for who? <laughs> Is it better for you because you're in control and you get your way? Or is it better because all the details are taken care of? Nothing is dropped. There's order. And everyone gets to contribute. It's a very different thought process, isn't it? Yeah. So take a look at that gift and kind of see if you rated high. Kind of rethink it a little bit. Are you good with the details? If you have the gift of administration, we definitely need you. You can see the details and not get overwhelmed. Um, this is one of the, the gifts that, that I've been blessed with, a uh, gift of administration. I can, with prayer, I can sit there and I can picture things, a ministry going on, an event. And I can quickly see all the details. I can see contingencies we might need and how crowds are going to flow and all of these things. And I don't necessarily get overwhelmed with it. I can figure out how to approach it. That's a spiritual gift. One of the dangers, though, is those of us who have this gift, we can see all the details. So sometimes we squash dreams and possibilities because we're automatically into, here's the obstacles we got, right? Uh, the other thing about this gift is you're not always popular because you do see the details. Um, but it's a great gift, and it helps ministry happen. All right, so these are the six spiritual love gifts group. Mercy, giving, service, hospitality, pastoring, and shepherding, and administration. Um, and I'm just going to real quick summarize these as, as well as maybe the whole series, okay? It starts with our purpose. Remember our purpose? Love God, love others, make disciples. That's what we need to be about. And the spiritual gifts enable that to happen. And if we're doing it well, we are loving others, particularly when we keep in mind Scripture I shared at the beginning, Romans 12, 9 to 10. Don't just to pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. <laughs> genuine affection. And take delight in honoring each other. And I believe that God equips us to do that with the spiritual gifts if we're ready to listen to what the Holy Spirit has for us. Make sense? That's what the spiritual gifts are all about and what they're for. Let's go ahead and pray together. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you. You are incredible. That you have put the whole world in motion. 
You've created all of these unique people, and yet you've created all of us for a purpose. You have calling upon our lives, first and foremost, for us to follow your son, Jesus, to be forgiven of our sins and to be eternally transformed. But you have other callings for us as well, things that we can do to help others, ways that we can help others find the kingdom. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for these spiritual gifts. Thank you for giving gifts that, well, things that we can't just do on our own. We might have some natural abilities and we might have some skills we develop, but when we work in your spiritual gifts, amazing things happen for the kingdom. Jesus, thank you for loving us. Thank you for modeling what love really looks like, that you did not stay sterilized and away from us and at arm's length. No, you, you chose to come to earth to walk as a man, to walk in our shoes, to experience physical pain and suffering, to experience relational pain. And yet you proved what love was. Thank you for that incredible model that we hope to follow. Jesus, thank you for loving us first. In your name, amen.